Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 72 of Pixel Sift. My name is Scott, and this week I will be hosting the show because Gianni is having a nice week off. I'm also joined by the one of the newest members of Pixel Sift, Nick Byrne. How are you, Nick? I'm all right. How are you doing? Very good, thanks. Uh, our guests on today's show are joining me from Sydney and the United Kingdom. Hello, Julian and Jay. Hello. The first thing we'll be looking at is the new Steam Direct system. Uh, does it measure up to the now scrapped Greenlight program? Yes, and finally, we'll be covering your right to repair. Do you really own it if you can't even repair it? Let's jump in. Pixel Sift. No, seriously, Pixel Sift. <laughs> no, seriously. Pixel Sift. So, Steam Greenlight was a tool that was actually launched back in August of 2012 that allowed indie developers and publishers to share information about their games to convince the community that their games should be granted entry into the Steam marketplace. Uh, but after five years, it's, it's due to be replaced by a new system called Steam Direct. That's it. And we're pretty close to it as well. It uh, yeah. launches next week. On June 13th. That's it. And the, must, uh, the most anticipated bit of it, I guess, was um, the fee for indie games joining in. Um, it, was, it was said that it might have be up to five grand or anywhere about, which obviously is pretty pro- uh, problematic for indie gamers uh, yeah. and games, I guess, developers, etc. Uh, but they've announced that it's only going to be $100, which is very similar to the green lit uh, pricing, which is good for everybody. Um, I think I think they did a bit of kind of you know user feedback and whatever and realized that that was just ridiculous and as far as yeah. indie, indie developers can't afford that definitely yeah especially it's so competitive now like trying to get five thousand dollars back as well um, yeah. you're gonna need to have like a certain level of success to be able to do that and then to make your own money back and cover the cost of making it and stuff so they, it would definitely put a lot of people off. Yeah, I mean, it's been a pretty successful five years for Valve and um, Steam Greenlight, I, I feel. Um, they've received more than 90 million votes from nearly 10 million Steam users, uh-huh. mm. which on anybody's book is, wow. you know, an amazing achievement. It's something like 3.5 billion hours between uh, players <laughs> who have, um, sorry, played games wow. that have come through the Greenlight system. So it's definitely been successful. Yeah. I, wow. I, I'd like to think that their new setup uh, and, you know, what they say is, you know, being all about the opacity and making things open and clear and easier for the users. Um, and what did they say when they were coining it? They kept, they were stepping out of the oh. way and letting, <laughs> you know, letting steam do its thing. Mm. Uh, you know, we'll see how so, that works out. But what is yeah. their argument then for like switching to, to green light? Is it, is it, I mean, what do you guys think is like actually behind it? Is it that they just kind of want to kind of get some quality control back in their own hands or like why, What's the move behind here? Do you guys? What, what's your opinion? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, I initially I was really worried about them being, you know, money hungry and grabbing for the cash when they were talking about those five thousand um, dollar, you know, um, bids that you had to put up. But now that it's a hundred dollars per game, I'm really not sure what their tactic is. I really feel like they're trying to improve their system. Well, initially, actually, before Steam Greenlight was even a thing, Steam had a small team that handpicked games to go on the marketplace. Right. Mm. Okay. Well, so know, like, Steam, uh, they're still going to have to have an extra 30-day waiting period after the fees paid, and then Valve will still, by person, you know, verify whether the game works and it's not malware, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, there's still going to be a small team working on it, um, but just not getting in the way of things as much. I definitely think there's something that, uh, like we were just discussing before, that um, it is a great way to promote your, your game and get a following. 
in the mm. description that Steam has provided on the actual page, uh, it does discuss like strategies that uh, developers can do to promote their show, like uh, several weeks beforehand, posting a page oh, okay. with relevant information and mm. uh, images. So uh, it's obvious that they're still that they are worried about, uh, in- especially I guess definitely indie developers losing that mm. ability to promote their game. Yeah. So it is good to see that they are still mm-hmm. trying to support the community in that regards. Oh, uh, that's great. What sort of specific parts of the green light um, through your experience did you think that really were worthwhile and could could do with following on into Steam Direct? Oh, oh, I would um, say. The, the, <laughs> sorry, Julian, we keep doing this. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, right, you, you go. Okay, all right. Um, I would say like having that campaign page is brilliant because you you have to like get a video together and then get screenshots. So, um, and then you have to explain the game and try and sell it. And that in itself is a really good exercise because it helps you with your design. Kind of go, well, what is it that we're making here? Because a lot of the time you just kind of start making something and, and follow it. And, and it helps you like kind of think about it a lot and and kind of force you to make a plan for the game as well. Like it'll feature this, this and this, and that's when it will be done. And like, so that whole page and like getting people to comment on it, it's really hard not to kind of get excited about what you're doing. And also at the same time, like really hone in on what it is that you're doing. Yeah, that's an interesting take, actually, because, yeah, you, you get so far along with your you, caught up in making the game and the marketing, etc., but you actually wouldn't know how to sell it to a point, certain point because mm. it's just yours. You, have, you, have, you haven't had to sell it. De- yeah, definitely. definitely. What do you think, Jimmy? <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I agree. I reckon, like, yeah, that's what it was really good for, like, actually being like, who am I selling this game to? Because um, like I think we we kind of didn't know who we were selling it for and stuff like that. Um, I think I kind of liked that like like you know the audience could vote on it and you know in theory the best games are meant to get through, but like without any kind of like basically you're just saying oh yeah I'll buy that in the future like but there's you don't actually have to buy it in the future. Um, like without that like people just you know vote on whatever and kind of yeah i think that's how some of these like crappier games got in i mean to be mm. honest i don't know like how we got through so quickly like looking back at our <laughs> whole kind of video because it was like it was pretty crap looking back at it i think like the old game was like flash and it it looked pretty amateur really <laughs> well right, um, right thanks for a little bit of insight into the green light system <laughs> of yold um and we'll talk about your game very shortly in just a second pixel sim it's not pixel sieve it's pixel sift pixel sift pixel sift has truly gone global this week because i'm being joined by julian wilton from sydney and jay armstrong from the united kingdom hey guys again thanks so much for joining us hello i have to try split up these questions between the two of you because uh (laughs) (laughs) haven't got uh, much success so far julian gets number one jay gets number two we'll go like one and two (laughs) one and two a and b Um, so for no. everyone who might not have heard it, um, what is the Adventure Pals all about? And I'll leave this with whoever is, uh, you know, more capable of answering the gutty question. <laughs> um, I don't know who that is, but, uh, I'll, I'll take it. Um, so I use like the, <laughs> the Adventure Pals. Um, so basically it's kind of this like quirky platformer game about this small boy, uh, and the kind of crazy adventures he goes on with this ma- magical giraffe, um, and his pet rock. Uh, the game story kind of revolves around you having to, like, rescue your papa that's been um, kidnapped by this evil dude because he's, like, trying to turn all the old people into hot dogs. So your kind of mission <laughs> is to go save him. 
That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty great on every level. Um, now, I did play, <laughs> I played the oldie uh, version um, Super um, Adventure Palace. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, wow. That's been old. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it was a few years ago, but I, I, was, I was surprised at how similar it looked and feel uh, and felt to the new Adventure Pals. Um, is it very much like a rejig? Or have you kind of uh, taken things from the ground up and changed it all around? I'd say uh, it's um, yeah, it's yeah. A, like a re- like a reboot, like a reimagining, um, mm. like uh, you know when they keep coming out with new Spider Mans. It's kind of that that <laughs> thing where you, you you kind of you kind of take what you've learned from it and you decide that you're going to make something even even better. I mean, if you compare the games side by side, once you get once you play the actual finish, the Adventure Pals, there's like no comparison at all. Like the the art is like on a uh, and animations on a completely different level like julian's done an incredible job um and then also like there's so it's so much deeper and it's it's bigger as well there are more levels but just everything that we've learned from all everything that we've done we've kind of put into this game and spent two years like of loads of love and loads of um sort of all the insights we've learned and putting it into the game so like it's similar in that it's the same characters and you have a you know you've got the giraffe and stuff but um it's it's a much deeper like fully realized kind of experience um so yeah so i yeah it's a yeah, it's a re yeah. it's a reboot i guess but it's it's a new game it's but it's yeah. leveled up <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah we basically just kind of looked back at the old game and we kind of like tried to figure out okay what was actually good about that and take out those elements and try to like yeah as jay says like just level those bits up like focus completely on what actually made the game good in the first place and that's what it really feels like. Yeah. It's really great. Um, instead of, you know, kind of scrapping it and trying to do something completely different, you've really grabbed onto what was great and, 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 and ran with it. Really yeah, excited. I think, yeah, I think the, the essence and the feeling you get from it is we've tried to bottle that from the first game and, and bring it into this new one. So, like, in terms of, like, all the, all the systems and, like, new collectibles and new sort of quests where like characters actually come with you on the levels and um just even stuff like having the design so the characters are more chunky so that it's clearer to see like where you're going to put your character and like so much has gone into design but yeah you're absolutely right we went to the first one and we said like this just slaps a big dumb smile on your face when you're Mm -hmm. playing this game and it's just full of whimsy like how what were the things that made that work how can we put it into like a little bottle and, and and bring that into the new game and it really is so great. Um, the artwork, especially Nick and myself, were oh, coming definitely. from earlier. Um, so especially, yeah, uh, I'm someone who uh, was very young when Scribblenauts came out for the first time on Nintendo DS. Uh, and even Adventure Time, to a degree, I think there's something about that art style and almost that maturity that's hidden within the within the context. Yeah. It's just something that I think definitely got my attention. That's something that as soon as I saw, because I have never actually seen Adventure Powers before uh, until recently and just immediately wanting to play that just for that that uh sense almost i get from these other things that i love um, no it is it, yeah. there's something about you know adventure time and that yeah. ilk um the, the, <laughs> and the the animation and the the style that you've used is really appealing uh yeah. on many levels to the many different pe- walks of people exactly uh, something special. Ah, uh, well, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, we uh, we um we definitely did try to like um kind of go for that audience of like people that kind of 
uh, like cartoon shows, but they're mm. a bit older, but they kind of liken them for those like um, meanings, kind of mm. like the Pixar movies, how there's something for everyone. Yeah. Um, like, yes. you know, it's not necessarily a kid's movie, but like kids are going to love it. And, you know, hopefully adults will too. Right. Uh, and that's like a design principle we've like really trying to think about whenever we're kind of making decisions for the game. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's crazy. Everything in the game is so appealing. It's amazing. I can't, I, I can't see it not popping off, kind of thing, in a, in a fashion that Adventure Time has. Um, oh, thank you, especially I'm with your faith, back. faithful backpack giraffe, exactly, I mean, <laughs> uh, filling that similar role to like the banjo kazooie uh, type thing. Yeah, 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 definitely. That was definitely a big influence as well. It's kind of a bit like kind of Zelda two mashed with banjo kazooie, yeah. and that's kind of the the. The funk, the form of, that the game takes, and then we slap that sort of Adventure Time, Stephen Universe kind of yeah. um, car- cartoons for like every older people. But mm-hmm. so, like going going back to what we were saying about the green light and like trying to work out who the game is for. I mean, originally it was just for us, and we we wanted to make something that we enjoyed making. But then thinking about it more and more, we it was originally like much more like subversive, like more South Parky, where we had like kind of rude jokes in there and it was it was definitely squarely for like people like us who like those things um but we didn't anticipate how much like the bright visuals would attract younger younger audiences um so that's actually something we've had to change so we've taken out all the kind of dirty stuff (laughs) oh not that was was particularly bad or anything so, yeah. So <laughs> when did you realize? Um, when did you realize kind of that your audience was changing? I know you did a Kickstarter uh, and you received a, a good amount of backers. I believe it was about uh, over over six hundred, uh, collecting over twenty two thousand pounds in the end. Um, so was it during the Kickstarter that you realized that your kind of audience was shifting? Well, for me, it was um, more just taking the games to live shows and and seeing yeah. who like, who comes along. Um, and it was definitely a lot of yeah, a lot of the younger kids, and we didn't expect that. So that kind of made us realize like, well, there's this, you know, big group of, of people who, who want to play it. Let's, let's not kick them out yeah. by have just for the sake of a, you know, a, a bad pun. Like let's, let's kind of <laughs> include everyone and take everyone along with us. Yeah, so, definitely. Uh, so the combination of an RPG and a platformer is not as common uh, nowadays as it always has been. Um, what kind of made you merge the two genres together? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Jay. um i I think it was when we when we first made the original super adventure pals a lot of it was kind of trying to mash as much stuff together because we we had like the whole things kind of came from this feeling of like let's just throw anything in there that's cool and let's make it as wacky and weird possible and as full as personality so i think it was it was just kind of like okay platforming right okay it would be great if you could level up it'd be great if you could um you know how can we get what's the point of going to these levels and because there are a lot of platformers where it's just level after level and there's no story context and and i think when we added the towns and the people with personality as well it just it added so much that we ran with it so it it kind of kind of it was just it's it was just a platformer and then we wrapped it in this kind of story rpg thing and all of a sudden we had a world and i think that was really exciting for us and that's what kind of makes up some of the whimsy of the game and its appeal Mm. So, how do you guys? Uh, how did you guys form your team? How did you come together? Uh, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> the wonders uh, of the internet. <laughs> yeah, That's how we uh, got I think, together. Yeah, Jay. <laughs> uh, um, J- yeah, Jay and I. I think. Um, I think Jay, you you did a post online looking for an artist. Was that yeah. right? Yeah, Newgrounds. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, and 
and I saw his stuff because Jay was like doing art as well. And I saw, yeah, one of his games. I was like, that looks amazing. I want to make something like that. Uh, and that was probably what, like six years ago, six, seven years ago. Like, yeah, yeah, crazy. Been a long, yeah. been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that's yeah. Interesting having two developers in two majorly different kind of areas of the world. Um, d- does it help with your fan base at all? Uh, like, do you have a stronger fan base in Australia or the UK? Oh, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, it, it is actually really useful though, because like, um, like Jay can go exhibit in all the kind of um, UK areas, and I can kind of do um, Australia. So we kind of, yeah, we can kind of see more people without paying for the the uh, plane cost. <laughs> That's right. Like you went to um, recently. You went to was it the ANZ Awards. Oh, I went or? to. Uh, uh, New, yeah, I went to New Zealand for a uh, play-by-play festival. Play-by-play festival. And then um, I went to Comic-Con London. Like, we've, we've been really, we've been to so many, as a, as a massive monster, we've been to so many shows. We really hope that that's kind of, if it's definitely influenced the design and hopefully it'll, like, reach more people. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely good. And the and in terms of time zones, it sort of works because Julian, you tend to be up a bit later. Maybe I'm a bit oh, yeah, earlier. So. Yeah. We we actually work at the same time. Um, it's just that it's like two in the morning for Julian when it's uh, like ten a.m. for me. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it's almost not noticeable. And the other guy in Massive Monster, he's in the UK, but he's not in the same city as me. So all three of us work remotely. So it's, it's just kind of how spread. how we do things. Slack is amazing. We use Slack oh. to kind of stay in touch and share we everything. Use, yeah, we use Slack. We love it. It's the oh, best. Nice. I felt Mitch just get so, Mitch just got so excited. <laughs> all right. Well, Julian uh, Wilson and Jay Armstrong, thank you very much for uh, that. That's about all the time we have for that little interview. We'll jump into the next topic very quickly. Thank you. Watch episodes, Let's Plays and more at youtube.com forward slash pixelsiftau. So, we've all seen the videos online for the step-by-step instructions to replace your broken phone screen and thought, yeah, I could totally do that. Now, due to a ruling by the American Supreme Court, cracking open your console to fix it might be on its way to becoming a legal option. Hopefully, this will have a knock-on effect down here in Australia, but maybe not. Now, we are protected here in Australia by the ACCC, and that covers us for certain things as far as, uh, you know, get what you pay for sort of things. Um, As far as getting into voiding warranties and everything like that, it gets really grey. Very much so. Very quickly. Um, But as far as I understand, you know, it's it's really weird. You you find stuff on the internet that says one thing and you find stuff that Mm. says another thing. As far as voiding your warranty, it's not probably not the best idea. But, um, you know, people are still doing it. Definitely. Um, as someone who uh, has a lot of experience in the retail in regards to hardware, um, seeing products come back and people having questions about mm. replacing components and then what that does, especially in regards to gaming laptops, because you haven't built your own rig and you buy a gaming PC from one of the major distributors. Um, I... I always got the question, oh, can I can I change the graphics card? Oh, can I change the processor? And I would have to say, <laughs> sure, go for it, but you void your warranty. Just to, and it, it, it puts people in a position that is very difficult yeah, to so deal with. Exactly that. And, and and this is where I kind of, I guess, the, the line stops is that, you know, you, your products sold in Australia come with a consumer guarantee that it'll be of acceptable quality. But as soon as you start tampering with it, mm. you know, that trust and surety goes out the window. 
I mean, as far as I understand, in Australia, if you buy something and as long as you don't mess with it to a point where you're going to stuff it up and it breaks on its own accord, they go through some kind of an investigative process exactly. to look into it. And just say, if, basically, if, whether you stuffed it or not. And if you didn't, then you're, you know, you're up for a, re- a replacement. But if not, then it's, you know, suck eggs. I think the biggest thing that comes out of this is, <laughs> do we, in fact, actually own our products or have we just been handed a license to use something we've paid a lot of money for. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, end end user license agreements res- restrict kind of repairing options to uh, comp- well, to to places that the company deems mm. authorized repair centers. So like with Apple and whatever, you, yeah, you have, have to go to stringent. the Apple Apple centers to actually get your products repaired. So the reason we're talking about this uh, at the moment is this is in um, obviously as I said it's it's, it's in um, is it Nebraska, I believe this case has gone down recently. No, the, the, sure. the printers or the or the truck one. There's <laughs> two. No, Nebraska, the place in America. Oh, so okay, it's no. a thing between here and America. Uh, between here and America, the things are kind of different. Um, so, what are they covered by in America? It's called the 1975 Magnuson Wast Warranty Act, and it's basically federal law that forbids blanket voiding of warranties on aftermarket repair. So we've been Americans have been going on thinking that you know they haven't been able to tamper with their things to fix it but they have they've been covered by this law for oh, a good 30 almost like 40-ish years yeah um we do really need something like this in australia definitely like we need things above the basic right uh given to the straight up purchase of things um julian and jay i suppose i suppose specifically jay from the uk do you know how things are covered um over there as far as this kind of um, right to repair goes with consoles and your own uh, electronic software, uh, hardware. I think I think it's um, sounds very similar to the situation you have, where you need to kind of send it back to Microsoft directly or, uh, or Sony to have them look, look at it. We don't have anywhere where, like you say, where you can take your phone and they'll repair your screen. We can't do that with consoles here either. Nobody's ever really questioned because they slap all those, you know, void if removed stickers on every screw and every bit that you need to click off. So, you, everyone's just kind of scared into obeying. Definitely. Yeah. It's just like that red ring of death thing with the Xbox. It was apparently, <laughs> looking into it, it was a tiny, tiny repair that just took nothing. a few minutes. Yeah. But, mm. yeah, but it would take, you know, weeks and weeks of, of people in a huge amount of trouble for the people who bought the systems. Absolutely. And Sony had a similar thing with their, um, what, yellow line or whatever it was. Very much around the yeah. same era, same problem. and um, But I think Xbox took that handled that situation a lot better. I believe Microsoft allowed a lot more people to kind of do things to it, mm. whereas Sony were a lot more black and white. Sony, Sony was very strange oh, really? in the sense that if you... Uh, if you changed any parts, if you changed the hard drive or, you know, you did anything to, um, like, uh, tighten the CD holder, um, you voided your warranty. But at the exact same time, Sony, on their forums and their help uh, forums, they were posting uh, how-to videos if you wanted to change your hard drive or you were trying to fix problems. And it was very confusing. And, again, like, when I was in the um, in working with retail, I was repairing my PS4 because it was spitting out the disc at me. And that was fine because Sony told me how to do it, but then I would have a customer come in and go, yo, this is this happened and I've tried this. And it's like, you just voided your warranty. Sorry. <laughs> and it, yeah. it is a very strange and difficult position to be in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, like I said, as far as I understand it, if you can do what you want in Australia, <laughs> but uh, if in the process of opening or inspecting, you know, and they find out that you've damaged any goods yes. by doing so, you're done. Yeah. 
which is not so I wonder great. if it's kind of to stop stop like corporate espionage where you know if because if Microsoft employees then kind of open up a Sony PlayStation mm. and they can sort of see all the secrets reverse engineer it that was <laughs> yeah well you know this was a thing with the automotive industry uh, uh, years back in Australia anyway um, with exactly the same thing you know uh, not, not everyone wants to go to the dealership to get their car serviced but they needed the legit parts for third party people mm. eventually it came around that you know anybody could do it but it had to go through the courts and stuff. So I wonder if this is a similar thing that will happen through electronics um, and, and open up the way for kind of, you know, user play. Because it has happened in the past where third uh, third parties have, third member parties have uh, copped copyright and uh, a theft suit, like lawsuits basically. Because what do you think about it personally, Nick? What do I as think about who's, it? As someone who's worked in retail and has had to deal with uh, both sides of this, mm. um, what's your stance? If you buy a product and you wish to change something, you should be allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. If you it, if you go in there and say you break wires or something, if you are, then you've voided your warranty. You shouldn't be able to go to the- especially the- because it puts the retailer in a position where they're like, oh, you've made the mistake and it is within your right, but now I have to cop out several thousand dollars mm-hmm. to replace your product. Uh, and it's it's a huge difference between going to a retailer and then just getting a product directly from a company. Uh, so my like my my MacBook, for example, I can go to Apple and say this happened. I haven't done anything. Please change it over. They check it out. Everything's fine. But if you go to a retailer and go, look, this is weird. I've no idea what's going on. They have to spend several weeks dealing with the distributor. They're getting yelled at by the distributor for not knowing what's going on, and the customers hating them for. Not yeah. fixing the problem, and it just it puts everyone in a bad position, and it also actually takes a lot of power away from the the buyer mm. because they aren't able, they're not in control of what's happening to their product and the repair. To be fair, yes. if you're going to get your stuff repaired, especially electronics, going to a retail shop is probably the last place you want to yeah, go exactly. for quick and efficient service. <laughs> Very true, <laughs> but uh, you know we learn from our mistakes. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, that is about all the time we have for today's show and we didn't do it a little bit earlier so I'll get Julian and Jay to give um, Adventure Pals and Massive Monster a bit of a spruik boys if you if, if people want to get involved <laughs> if they want to check it out uh, where can they go where should they go twitter.com slash sapgiraffe um, otherwise we've got theadventurepals.com um, so yeah hit us up and get in touch we'd love to hear from you and uh, yeah look out for the Adventure Pals coming out later this summer mm-hmm. Xbox PlayStation and uh, Steam, PC and Mac. Yeah, it's wicked. Really Ooh. do check it out. It looks great. And uh, thanks again for joining us, uh, everybody, on Pixel Sift. We hope you've enjoyed the show. As usual, we'll be putting up links on our website, which is www.pixelsift.com.au. You can also find us on social media at facebook.com slash pixelsift, twitter.com slash pixelsift, twitch.tv slash pixelsift, and finally youtube.com slash pixelsift. That's it. And Nick, also, if people want to listen to other <laughs> episodes, where should they go? Uh, they uh, go to our website uh, to stream episodes, subscribe as a podcast, either on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, or using the RSS link on our page. And if you're listening to us exclusively on one of these platforms, I just want to remind you that we go live every fortnight. Our next episode will be on the 8th of June. Well, that's not quite right. Today <laughs> is the 8th of June. Oh, yes. whoops. Oh, yeah. my bad. Uh, <laughs> I forgot to change that in the script. While you're on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> if you could just give us a review and star rating, that would really help other people find our show. Or even better, if you know someone who would like to uh, the show, grab their phone and subscribe them to Pixel Sift. If you like what you've been listening to, make sure to tell all your friends as well. Thanks the 22nd. again. Next <laughs> show is on the 22nd. The next show <laughs> is on you. the 22nd. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, thank you to Julian and Jay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Peace thank out. you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a good thing. Great. Thanks.